Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome back to TFR for another edition of Investor Stories. On this segment, the experts talk about a startup that failed and the causes of that failure. Here's the segment called Postmortems. On today's special segment, we have Michael Cardamone of Accelerprise. Michael, can you tell us a story about a portfolio company that's failed and why it failed? You know, companies fail for, for a number of different reasons. You know, obviously, like product market fit is kind of often one of those. I think the challenging ones is when it comes from sort of unforced errors that causes them. So maybe they have a good product and good and, you know, some early customers and it seems promising. And then there are, you know, founder issues where like the founders aren't getting along and then, you know, a founder ends up leaving and, but they still have a lot of the cap table and there's not, you know, then they, you have to rely on them being like reasonable and rational around like, how do you reduce equity in the cap table? And like things like that, we've seen firsthand kind of tear a company apart when they seemingly had good early momentum. And so I think like really trying to, be cognizant of who your founders are, how well do you know them, how long have you worked together is important um, because you don't want those sort of things to cause a company to fail if you don't have to, like if, if everything else is working. Are there ways that you can kind of get out in front of that like early on or is it just kind of you let it play out and sometimes, you know? Yeah, I mean, so we actually look, like we'll look for signs of early signs of founder issues in the cohort because they're working out of our space. And so like, you know, even things like, do we see someone rolling their eyes or like, are they not communicating or are they cutting each other off? And we'll address it head on early on so that we get to the bottom of like, what are the, what are, are there issues here? What are the issues and try to resolve it. But just like any relationship, like it's all about communication and transparency and building trust. And to the extent we can help facilitate that during a program, if we if we're seeing early signs of an issue, we will. But I think it's all about just like making sure you're communicating consistently and clearly with everyone. On today's special segment, we have Jim Kim of Builders. Jim, can you tell us a story about a portfolio company that failed and why it failed? I have been part of uh, quite a few companies that have failed and it could be something as simple as uh, market conditions. Uh, you just didn't time it right. It could be an entrepreneur. I, I've, I had an entrepreneur. I, I won't name this company, but you know, being in this business 12 years, you see a lot of things. And 
Uh, I think part of why I said venture is a bit of an apprenticeship is you have to be able to understand how to fix the situation or get out of the situation in a way that treats your investors in the best possible way, treats the entrepreneurs with respect, um, and is ethically aligned with, with your own beliefs. There was a situation where I invested in a company and the CEO, as a offhanded comment, but a comment that he, he ended up making more and more over time, I'm sorry, it was a founder that basically said the CEO that the VCs put in place, he wanted to, uh, he wanted to shoot. Huh. And this is a company that was kind of somewhat in the Midwest. And so we had to take that very seriously. We ended up, uh, having to post security guards at the door. Oh, uh, wow. Had to escort the founder out. And then in the process of uh, going through a little bit more of the detail, we realized that this founder was massively paranoid and had installed spy cameras above the computer of every employee in the company. Whoa. So we talked to the IT person. We're like, holy cow, how did this, how did this possibly happen? And so, you know, I, there's sometimes a fine line between, uh, between crazy and genius. <laughs> it's true. And you want to back the entrepreneurs that, that are geniuses, but in the, in that process, you might end up backing a couple crazies. So it's tough. Yeah. I can imagine. I had a, uh, an LP come to me that looked up some online data and some reviews on, uh, I can't remember the website, but like employee reviews, right? And this, uh, this founder has been enormously successful, serious serial founder, but there were some challenging reviews from, from subordinates that he received in the past about his level of intensity, right? Mm-hmm. And this LP was questioning, you know, you really want to back a guy that, you know, has, has, you know, maligned some employees because he's hard to work for. And I said, well, you know, I'll look at it and I'll research it. But uh, sometimes in this industry, you, you know, there's, there's some people that get ruffled, you know, by these founders. These founders have a mission and they're focused and, not all of them are, you know, the most uh, measured and, you know, delicate folks when it comes to leadership. Some of these people are hard chargers and either get on board or get out of the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's ultimately, as I mentioned, there's a fine line, right? You want to be working with a fact. It takes massive amounts of guts to go try and tackle an industry that is resistance to change, right? Yep. And you you have to live in somewhat of a reality distortion field because you're you're taking on the hardest job in the world and i have immense respect for for founders who who go after a really hard problem and say i'm going to i'm going to try and solve it and, and i i love god bless them they they work their asses off yeah sometimes though you just have to when you're beating your head against the wall right maybe maybe you just have to take a step back and ideally you're working with your investors to to say you know what this ain't working you know we're we're ruffling a lot of feathers we you're seeing it now where some founders are are falsifying results or or falsifying uh, numbers and and you just don't want to get to that point right? no. <laughs> where where you you are so consumed by winning that you're going to lose your moral compass right that's the type of thing where where you have to be able to, as a, as an investor you have to just say uh, I need to, I need to stop this, right? There might be the inkling of a great platform of technology here, but this person is not necessarily looking at things with, with clarity anymore. And so as a team, we need to figure out how to, 
how to make a change here. So, so this has an opportunity to win. Mm-hmm. But it's hard, right? It, it's hard having those discussions. It's hard coming to that determination. And, you know, I, I still have a lot to learn in that process as well. But again, ultimate uh, respect for people who are going after hard, hard industries. It's, it's how the world is going to become better. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta, and there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. In this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. On this special segment, we have Jason Calacanis. Jason, can you tell us a story about a portfolio company that failed and why it failed? Yeah. Oh, God. How much time do we have? This could be like a whole podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Fail Podcast, <laughs> where we deconstruct stuff that hit the fan. Yeah. You know, I, I had a camera company that built a camera that was three or four years ahead of, you know, Dropcam and Nest. And the founder, you know, because they were doing hardware and software, wasn't able to ever get enough capital to market all the stuff. It uh, wound up getting sold in a fire sale. We had the same thing happen with a smoke detector. uh, So it was like hardware. And in both of those cases, it was so hard to finish the product while marketing the product because the products were very complex, I guess, and hardware was very hard back then. It still is. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, I got a real aversion to, you know, consumer hardware. It just feels like it's really hard to make that work without a large amount of runway. I think the Ring doorbell was an example of that because Doorbot, the first one crashed and burned and was really hard. And they finally were able to get a big amount of, a big amount of funding in that then let them take a long view of it. But man, hardware startups are so hard. Hardware as a service, a lot easier. So we have a company called Density does people counting. And because they're charging for a, you know enterprise software that has a hardware component, that to me is a lot better because you. the problem with one-off sales is you start the next month at zero. And the great strength of subscription-based business, whether it's software subscriptions like Slack or meditation like Common Consumer or Netflix or Disney Plus is you generally start the next month with 105% or 95% of what you had last month. Mm-hmm. You start next year at 110% or 90%, depending on how good your product is, of last year. Whereas if you're an ad-based business or you're selling Nest Cams or whatever it happens to be, you're starting at zero. Yep. And that makes it hard. It has to be a really exceptional product with a flywheel going. And so to the extent you can get subscription revenue, 
in your somehow as a as a component of your business. And I think I just read somewhere casually that Xboxes are going to be sold for twenty bucks a month or something uh, over four years, as opposed to you buying it up front. Not surprised. This is how consumers consumer psychology is really interesting. You know, Com used to be like I think ten dollars to buy the app one time, and then it went to ten dollars a month. Consumption went up. And you should think about that. Well, that makes no sense. Uh, if I pay you $10 a month, I'm paying 120 a year. And if I pay 10 one time, I get it for life for 100 months or whatever it is or more. But when we say subscribe, what's inherent in subscribing to something is that you can unsubscribe and you will unsubscribe at some point in all likelihood. It might be 10 years from now. Who knows? And it gives you the psychological freedom to trial stuff. Right. Well, I subscribe, but I can unsubscribe and get my money back. And so making it easy to unsubscribe is one of those things that's like a superpower play. Like at inside.com, when we send, we send people their monthly bill every month and let them one click unsubscribe so that I think we do. <laughs> I know we send the bill every month. I'm not sure if it's one click, but I'll make sure it's one click. <laughs> or maybe it's got to be two clicks so they don't accidentally click it. But anyway, making it easy to unsubscribe, because Stratechery does that as well. You get your bill every month, you get yep. unsubscribe with a couple clicks. That's like the power move. And then the New York Times and Wall Street Journal make you like jump through hoops. So I'm, I don't like subscribing to those businesses that make you call them on the phone to unsubscribe. Yeah, it's so difficult to get out. Oh, it's brutal. So, so is, brutal. Is is this why you uh, passed on Tavala Consumer Hardware? I know you had David Rabbi on, on your podcast uh, probably a couple of years ago now. Yeah, consumer, I, I'm just not, I don't have the appetite for consumer hardware. Got it. I think it's a race to the bottom, given how quickly the Chinese copy everything and put like a really cheap version of it online. Yeah. It works for Apple when you have stores and a loyal customer base who are locked in with moats because of iPhoto and everything else, iMessage. You know, they can come up with AirPods and they make an incredible product, incredible margin. They got the distribution locked up. They got the customer base locked up. It works. But, you know, even Google struggled with their hardware investments. You know, Amazon has struggled yeah. with hardware. If Amazon and Google have a hard time making it work, it's really <laughs> hard for consumers to. I mean, even... And if you look at the outcomes of the best hardware, Fitbit, GoPro, incredible, right? Like $2 billion exits. Yeah. $3 billion. I mean, I think that's why Peloton is different. Peloton is really about the subscription, not about yeah. the hardware. Yeah. And I am in love with my Peloton tread. I have love the treadmill it. and I am addicted to it. Oh, the treadmill it's version. The, Got it. I, yeah. I don't, I don't like biking. It hurts my knees, but I love running. Uh, for some reason, I just enjoy it more. I just think the Peloton is just such a wonderful experience. The gamification, the community, the the classes, the software, the hardware, it just all works together. And I, I feel like you're just paying, you know, and that, I think that's the way they should sell it. They should sell it for a hundred bucks and not let you buy it up front. You right. should just buy the treadmill for a hundred bucks a month and it's paid off in whatever number of years. And you get a new one every six years. There you go. It's like Instead of making it. people pay. Yeah. It's, it's a, I think Peloton is going to be a money printing machine. I think it already is to some degree. Yeah. Well, people don't believe it. They don't believe the story. So again, that's back to the WeWork thing. When things blow up, everybody's like scrutinizing <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I, as a founder, as an investor and a founder, we should welcome it. We should welcome the scrutiny because if we're investing in the right companies, it will value the best companies even higher because they're the ones that are weakest will be cut and people will, won't want to invest in them. That will conclude this installment of Investor Stories. If you're enjoying the program and would like to see it continue, take a moment and leave a five-star review in iTunes. Also, if you'd like updates on new content from TFR, as well as the top 10 VC articles every week, go to fullratchet.net and sign up for the newsletter. 
Okay, that will wrap things up for today. Until next time, over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks for joining me. Thank you.